high school each Sunday night. I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your host, Keith Barney. I almost got through that without fucking up. Well done. I mean, kudos on finding yet another free uh, musical background on the internet. Well, you know, it's not free. We actually pay, uh, or Sean does for Woo, pays for a subscription service. Oh, so that so we bar- borrowed that like my brother's HBO Go? We... <laughs> Yes, it's actually a pretty good deal because you get to uh, not only do you get to use all of their stock stuff, but you don't you, you, the the it's you retain the license even after you stop the subscription. Oh, that's kind of fun, Keith. I give it an eight out of ten. It would have gone to 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 a nine out of ten had you thought of the comedic beat of still including the what the hell are the oopsies at the end of it. Oh well, we're not gonna we haven't played that bumper yet. Oh, well, I mean, we, I figured we, we this ha- We're not was... into the oopsies proper. Oh, that was for the show at large. This is the show at large. We are, we're doing a larger award show. The oopsies are a portion of it. Oh, see, so that sucks because I will not edit this, so I can't, I can't go back and take that out. I apologize, but would have given it, what would have given it the extra point that it was also yes. lacking, if you will. It, if I hadn't fucked up right at the very end because my <laughs> because my uh, my word doc closed in front of me, so I had to reopen. Oh, uh, maybe it. I'd have to take another point. No, I because of uh, I guess internet traffic due to the rain, I couldn't hear a goddamn thing of it. It was all jumbled a jumbled mess to me. So I'm not going to oh, hear no. it until I go back and 
uh, get the raw file from you. Okay, well then you have a thing to look forward to. I've already, I've blown it all. I've ruined the top of the show. Let's You've go. You've ruined the, you know, I put almost 45 seconds of effort into that. No, it was but great. at least I wasn't locked out of my house today. <sighs> yeah, I got locked out. And then I had to break in. And this time, not only did I break in, but I had to ask the guys at the deli to borrow their ladder to break in because uh, my old ass somehow threw my neck or end or back out sitting up in bed today. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Wait, but aren't you... You're on the ground floor. What do you need a ladder for? Because I wasn't about to run and jump in my injured state, so I had to, so I had to use an old guy step stool ladder to wait, like, wait, get wait, in wait, the window. You, you, uh, you just went through a window, yes? Yeah, my window's still about four feet above the ground. <laughs> so I would have had well, to do like a, like a press-up kind of thing. I see, I see. With your with your fuck that back. Now I have to say, uh, I can top that. I okay. have been locked in my apartment once. So yeah, so this was at our old place. Uh I was with Jillian and we were on our way out to a it's like a concert or a benefit or I don't know, something. But like we had to be like dressed up and ready to go and we had a time uh crunch. And uh we had someone had left the keys in the lock on the front door, on the outside of oh, the, no. of the in door. The turn in the turn. So that when we closed the door and then locked it, we couldn't then unlock it because the keys were in it already. So we were on the fourth floor. We had to climb out the fire escape mm. and then get back into the building back up to the apartment to take the keys out of the door and release Jillian for her concert. I, I on purpose don't lock one of my windows because in the, in the event I have to break in, which then begs the question, well, why are we even trying? Just leave the door open because anybody could just yeah. walk in off the street and break in. And for those of you keeping track at home, Mike and Deglio lives on 21st street. No, <laughs> uh, that's, that's not my address. Great. Well done. Well, I, I don't know where you live. You think I pay that much attention? I know. You're right. Anyhow, I can't move. Anyhow. I have to do that thing now where instead of looking to your left, I have to turn all the way around. Oh, that's exciting. Because I can't turn my head. Anyway, what are we doing today, Keith? We are doing the season two recap of the practice. Uh, we have so many exciting things to do. Uh, we have the the season ending oopsies to get to, but we have some uh, awards to hand out before that. Uh, but first up, we have this, this year in the basement, this year in the basement. I think it's appropriate to uh, talk about how was this year in your life? This would be 1997 into 1998, which was your junior year in high school. I think you should just give us a few words about what that year was like for you. Uh, 97, 98, I think, is probably, you know that uh, it was the summer of 69? It was that, mon it was the best year of my life, I think. In Really? In like nostalgia terms. I, for the first time in my life, had a girlfriend. For the first time in my life, this stupid band that I had started with my good buddy in seventh grade was something. I We were playing gigs. We were touring, traveling, recording. We went mm -hmm. to Disney. I made all these friends that I hadn't been friends with before. 
it was just oh i went to spain on a trip it was just a seminal year my i also remember like my family my brother had just gone off to college my sister was uh popular in high school my dad was alive and well and i remember doing fun stuff with him it just was a great year i when you when i when i hear songs from that period of time and you get that sort of nostalgic feeling inside I always find yeah. I always find there's two. There's that nostalgic feeling that's sort of bittersweet and sad, like you miss those times or sure, whatever. Sure. And then there's those that just it's just makes you feel happy and light and upbeat. And so it's like when I hear Sublime, when I hear Real Big Fish, when I think of the '90s. I, in fact, uh, what movie was just on the other night? Uh, Election. That's a year later. So, but still, same kind of thing. Nineteen ninety seven to nineteen ninety eight were just amazing years for teenage Mike. So sad to be putting them in the rearview mirror because where we're headed <laughs> is less awesome uh, for a few years for me. But let's uh, let's enjoy yeah, it while it lasts. Ex- yeah, fair enough. Yeah, no, I I feel relatively similarly. Um, I think this it was actually the year before my junior year in high school into my senior year. Uh, Things weren't things weren't great, but they weren't as terrible as they were for the five years before that. Right, or the, or so, the twelve years later, or the twelve years following, or the all of the years following. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it was, yeah, I it was, I, I sort of got my academic shit together that year, um, mainly because I knew I was going to go to music school, so I only took classes I was interested in. Uh, so I, I was, I was pretty good at academically that year. Um, you know, I was able to do, uh, I did Kaniki in Greece. Ooh. I, in high school in, uh, rather dubious production of, uh, of, uh, Greece, which I remember, uh, I choreographed. <laughs> You're going to laugh about this. I choreographed. <laughs> I'm already laughing, buddy. <laughs> uh, Grease Lightning. Because okay. our drama teacher wasn't really in interested in sort of much of anything, uh, so I like choreographed this whole sequence, like flinging hubcaps or, across the stage. The only problem was much of the, uh, I mean, obviously the songs about the car, grease lightning, and lots of ography relating to the car. Well, our drama teacher didn't bother to build the car until opening night, and it was basically just like this box made out of two by fours and plywood that he sort of half painted red (laughs) okay it was indicative of uh we did another production of kismet where we had these big flats and uh they were you turn them around you have a different thing painted on it but on opening night they were painting the back of the flat while the front of the flat was being performed with on stage (laughs) so we'd like turn it around didn't know it was going to be on the other end so that was exciting but no i did that i did the um I did the Secret Garden. I really liked that. Did a bunch of shows. Um, you know, I did the uh, uh, the Allstate scholarship thing and was was successful there and okay. got into school. You know, so it, it it really was on paper a really good year. I mean, it was a little more complicated than that in real life, but uh, I was never really Captain Popular. But I was not Captain Get Beat Up. Mm-hmm. For most of senior year, so I was I was happy about that. I feel like that's a that's a win for me. Also, that just that period of life, at least in the soft shelled liberal, somewhat not somewhat, probably very privileged uh, upbringing we had. Sure. Uh, in comparison yeah. to the most folks, it was also a time for us where like we were starting to have our not just starting, but really embracing our autonomy. 
mm-hmm. yet we still respected our parents as these sort of figures of uh, authority, authority and all knowing stature, which, sure. you know, adulthood crumbles the fact and they're just people making it up as they go along like we are. Uh, but it was a great time. It was that that what I meant is I guess the the hierarchy in our lives, our 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 authoritative hierarchy was very well established, which made things feel easy and organized. And so I well, think it was it was the last year where we had a child's amount of structure. Yes, in our life and boundaries and and such. Fully believed that shit made sense and would continue to make sense. Yeah, boy, do we have a uh, exciting <laughs> come yeah. up. It's coming. Yeah, that first election, right, right around there, right. Two thousand. It was coming two, up. Two thousand. Two thousand was was Gore Bush, but nineteen ninety. Actually, you know, I voted for the first time in nineteen ninety eight as I was eighteen, and uh, it's a it's a long story. I won't get into here because we have important things to do, but. Uh, there was a uh, a document, or it wasn't a documentary. It was a little indie film um, called "A Man with a Plan" about this eighty-seven uh, year old farmer from Tunbridge who gets fed up and runs for uh, Senate in Vermont against like this rich carpetbagger type. And and he was like, you know, uh, Vermont, you know, why, you know, why not, Fred? I'll do it. You know, I could use the money. You know, sort of just super, super charming. And it was like it was a hit. Um, as much as a movie like that can be a hit, but certainly in Vermont, it was huge. Was anyway, that, was that an Andy Griffith impression you were doing? <laughs> oh, I don't know. No, that's that's more uh, meets Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, yeah. I I I I I, I do a Jimmy Stewart, but I, I don't really know Andy Griffith well enough. G- Jimmy Stewart has has appeared on the podcast prior. Y- yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so in 1998, in Vermont, was so liberal at that point still is um that there was uh the senate race was pat Leahy, who is still our senator uh to this day the republican tried to they tried to bring in like this big rich guy from out of this out of the state to try to finally beat him uh so in the republican primary just for fun fred tuttle who played himself in the movie ran in the republican primary as a joke Huh. And, uh, but you're allowed to vote in either primary in Vermont. So the first vote I ever gave was in the Republican Republican primary for Fred Tuttle, who subsequently won the primary and as a joke and ran against Pat Leahy in the Senate in 1998. That's the Varney bump. The Varney bump, yeah, truly, and it was hilarious because they did a debate where Fred's like, "Oh, I, I think you should vote for him. I don't know what I'm doing." It was really, really you know, adorable. Varney, great guy, great Varney, great guy, <laughs> great guy. Well, speaking of winning, oh wait, no, before we do that, I have one other thing to talk about to complete season two of the practice. And I considered involving you in this. But <laughs> well, I, I appreciate the, the consideration. <laughs> I took one for the team. Because it is not an official crossover, but Bobby Donnell makes another appearance in the season finale of Ally McBeal. Oh, why didn't you tell me this? 
I I don't know. It just it it wasn't worth doing a whole episode about. Okay. But if you okay. if you are curious, yeah. the season finale of Valley McBeal entitled "These Are the Days." Uh, featured Bobby coming and helping Allie with a case about a doctor who wants to trade hearts with a homeless guy that he befriended because the doctor's heart is bad and the homeless guy is homeless. And they became friends. And that homeless guy, played by none other than Richard Schiff. Hey, Rich. If you remember, played... Another homeless guy who got murdered on the practice. Now, when you got it, world, you got it. You got it. You got it. So he, so he played that. But it was a same judge from the practice. We've seen a lot. Bobby is in it, but Richard Schiff playing a different character, looking exactly the same, the exact same season, only a couple of weeks apart. And finally, it should be known that Bobby and Allie do indeed make out. They make out? They make out. Whoa, that is everything I needed. And pretty much all I needed. Uh, well, it's see, and that's why I wasn't going to subject everyone to two hours of a podcast. See, I watched it just in case there was enough there to do an episode. And there really wasn't. So there it is. There's your recap. Uh, she also... Uh, Wait, what were the circumstances? Time out. Time okay, out. all right, all right. First yes. of all, play me that bumper. The Mike is Thirsty oh. bumper. <laughs> all right, hold on. I already queued up something else, but now we got to do the Mike is Thirsty oh, sorry, bumper. I'm sorry I'm part of the show now. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> Apparently, Mike is salty. Mike can't move, so... Yeah. Mike is thirsty. Now, Keith, since it's a special bonus episode of the Out of Practice yeah, sure. podcast wrapping up season two, and you're dropping this bombshell on me that Bobby and Allie made out, let's dim those lights, inch that chair a couple inches closer to that microphone, and I want you to give me the lowest, sultriest ASMR retelling of the scene. Give us all the radio drama of Bobby and Allie, how it happened, why it happened, and then give it to us. Well, it starts with Bobby on the other side of the room. And I'm already Allie... uncomfortable. I take back there that part of it. Just tell me. <laughs> You're no Scott Varney. Uh, flings her tongue out of her mouth all the way across the room, wraps it around Bobby's head, and spins him around like a Warner Brothers cartoon. Isn't that a fatality in Mortal Kombat? I think it is. Uh, but check it out, guys. Uh, get online and see that gift because that is exactly what happened. Wait, it's like a... Oh, it's it's like one of those cartoon things they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's how it started. They they do eventually kiss later, but it wasn't nearly as exciting as the, uh, the cartoon kiss. Okay, I'm going to look that up as we talk. Okay, very good. All right, so we have now, with that information, uh, completed... Season two of The Practice. Guys, while they're not as important as the oopsies, there were some other pieces of hardware handed out in 1998 after season two of The Practice. One of our friends... Well, you know what? Let's just dive back into the time machine okay. to the 1998 Emmys, the 50th annual Emmy Awards in the category... Of Best Supporting Actress. 
You're mine. The Mark nominees Harmon. for Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Drama Series are... Kim Delaney for NYPD Blue. Kim Delaney, right? Laura Innes for ER. ER, I watched that. Cameron Mannheim for The Practice. Okay, Cam. Della Reese for Touch by an Angel. Oh, she is great, Della Reese. Gloria Rubin for ER. That's a big pop. Come on. Emory goes to Carmen Mannheim. Hey! Hey! Carmen Mannheim won! <laughs> Is she on the show? This is the first Emmy nomination and win for Cameron Mannheim. It's like Cameron's sister. So uh, we'll post the video, but Cameron is coming up to the stage. She's very excited. Amazing. There's a huge Emmy on the stage. Mark Harmon, who clearly has no idea who she is, nope. is handing her does, the Emmy. Does she have a ton of earrings? a misfit and to get this award from my peers is such a huge victory. I must thank Wilma Marcus who taught me, Mary Ellen Mulcahy and Peg Donegan who fought for me, David Kelly who believed in me, you are my hero. Mine too. I need to thank Jeffrey Kramer, Bob Breach, Jonathan Pontel, Keith Randy Barney, Stone, the Gersh Agency, Mike the incredible Deglio. cast that I get to work with yeah, every day, the unbelievable years. crew headed by the sublime Dennis Smith. And my mother and my father, who are here with me tonight, and who paid for every cent of acting school. <laughs> I brought my autograph book. I hope you all will sign it. Especially, especially the four women in my category. I am honored to be counted among you. This is for all the fat girls. <laughs> Congratulations, Cameron Mannheim, with your Emmy Award. I can only imagine you're fantasizing about an oopsie, but we're going to find out later. Now, that later... That was very classy. That was a hell of a classy acceptance speech. Super classy. And speaking of classy, uh, later that evening, unfortunately, I do not have audio for it, but the uh, guest actor in a drama series of the 1998 Emmys was won by none other than John Larroquette Whoa. for his portrayal of Joey Herrick. There's no there's no audio of it? No, I can't find it anywhere. He, I think he won four consecutive Emmys in the <laughs> 80s, and people were like, you know what, fuck it, I'm not even going to post that. You know what? Better yet, Keith, you have 30 seconds. I want you to, okay. be, to give me your best John Larroquette acceptance speech for this award. And okay. go. Uh, thank you, thank you very much, um, um, John Larroquette. Um, very, very successful. Uh, I've already won uh, four of these. I hosted the Emmys three years ago, uh, so I was really happy to be on the rehearsal, the the practice, whatever. Uh, thanks. Bye. Congratulations, John. It sounded very much like a Barack Obama impressionist. <laughs> Uh, very happy to uh, win the Emmys uh, uh, on the practice of uh, the television show uh, many Americans watch. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. Well, and later that evening, at the tail end of the evening, guess who was up for Outstanding Drama Series and who won? 
This Emmy goes to The Practice. The Practice won outstanding drama series at the Emmys. Oh, season two, it like skyrocketed. The Practice has season received two. Emmy nominations Speaking for The Practice is executive producer David E. Kelly. Oh, David's joining us today. David is going to join us on the show today. I love that in the sound there, there's that phone ring. Of course. David looking quite young here with Michelle Pfeiffer. He's joined on the ca- on the stage by the uh, the whole cast, it looks like. Did Larroquette go back up? I'm so proud of everybody no. you see standing behind me. And a lot of people are home watching because they couldn't get tickets. We have well, such it was also a, 20 years a dedicated ago, crew. Yeah. And when we got a mid-season order, a lot of them had a chance to go to other shows with 22 episodes and more money. They came back and they said no. They wanted to be with us. Uh, we will be grateful hear that, for Calista? them. We will share this with them. All the producers and especially this cast it's the most professional group i've ever worked with and um well thank you there it is so david e kelly accepting the uh emmy for outstanding drama series so that's three emmys we won three emmys we won this season this season also won a glad media award for outstanding episode the civil right where uh, Jimmy's mom got married, and this also won the 1998 Peabody Award for the- David E. Kelly for this show. Wow, okay. So, I guess there is a season three. It seems like they might get renewed for season three, which is uh, very exciting and very well-deserved. Now, this brings us to... I think the awards that people are much more excited about, don't you think? Absolutely. Clamoring, some would say. Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Okay. All right, here we are Thank on the you. stage. Thank you so much. Of the Oopsie Awards. Thanks very much. And our first category tonight is for Best Episode. The nominees are... Betrayal, directed by Tommy Schlummy, written by David E. Kelly. Spirit of America, the Death Row documentary, directed by Michael Schultz and written by Ed Redlick. And Burden of Proof, Jimmy wins then loses the Cancer Cluster case, directed by Daniel Attias and written by David E. Kelly. Okay. Wow, those are some great nominees, Keith. Yeah, we've got some got some pretty important episodes here. So, Betrayal, the first episode of Joey Herrick, Spirit of America, the documentary about Death Row, and Burden of Proof, where Jimmy wins then loses his cancer cluster case. 
You know, the winning of the cancer cluster case, I recall being really impressed by the way they were able to kind of thread that needle. Where we get the mm-hmm. big win, Jimmy gets that vindication, the clients get to have their say and also get to have their win. And yet, we don't open up a whole can of worms with all these, you know, the cancer cluster case and or other cases, and, and, and they don't get the money. But it's a moral right. victory. I thought it was really That's well right. done. It sticks in my mind. In the Joey Herrick case, for some reason, even over these 800 episodes of season two, I recall how great John Larroquette was. This is yeah. where he, he, this is the first episode. Yes. Where he got away with murder by getting himself immunity before they figured out that he did it. Right. Uh, everything he's done is great, but I, I tend to remember his performances more so than the specifics of the episode, clearly. What I recall having the most visceral response to, however, though, is that sudden, uh, that, oh my God, I can't speak can't, or move my neck. Uh, <laughs> the death row episode. spirit of america spirit of america i loved the way it was shot very differently mm-hmm. i loved the way it was acted i loved the story i loved jimmy's albeit truncated yet his arc was really amazing his work in that episode was so wonderful so if you're asking me where my vote goes yes spirit of america spirit of america okay well this is going to be interesting because like I feel like for the season oopsies, we can't split. We must have one winner. Okay, so then uh, give me you argue your case and we'll have to okay. hash it out. All right, very good. Uh I agree with you on everything with burden of proof. Um that was really excellent. I loved Jimmy's arc in that and getting a win there. Um I really liked Betrayal which I thought had really good writing and directing as well as a great performance. And I really liked Spirit of, Amer- Spirit of America. Now, here's where I'm going to come down. Here's the argument I'm going to make for Betrayal as opposed to Spirit of... You know what? I That's not true. I'm going to make the argument for Burden of Proof. Okay. And here's why. Burden of proof is exactly what a good practice episode is. It is character-based, character-driven. It is set up over a long arc. We've earned this uh, emotional investment in the story. We have a win. We have a loss. And we are able to go on that whole ride with a member of our own cast. And that is, that speaks about something bigger than itself, about responsibility and liability, whereas Joey Herrick is so entertaining, but it was just about a clever guy getting away with murder. Now, Spirit of America, I think, is a phenomenal episode of television, and I think it is a really fascinating experiment, but it's not really an episode of the practice. So, for those reasons, I vote for Burden of Proof. Okay, would you, now, I, I, let's say I agree with your baseline premise that it's not a 
traditional episode of The Practice, and right. thus shouldn't be awarded as such. Right. Would you concede that it's, of the three hours of television, it's the best hour of television? Ooh. You know, if you're just going to say the best hour of television, like if it, if it came on the TV again... And like what I watch, would I rewatch that episode? I would watch Betrayal before I'd rewatch either one of those two because, in terms of just entertaining, all right. So, so here's the thing: Are we going entertainment, message, or the best example of what the practice is? Because I think those are three different categories. There, uh, absolutely, but. It's all th- it's all of those things under one umbrella. I mean, it's the, what what's the name of the category here? Best episode. Yeah, they all aired as episodes. Okay, here's here's since I th- I'm gonna buy myself a little cushion here. Okay, all the, right. th- the things I loved most about uh, Spirit of America are also captured in the betrayal. Yes, how so? Uh, Jimmy, it's his arc. Uh, no, you're thinking burden of proof. You're right. That's that's those are the two we're arguing. Yes. Yes, yeah, Spirit of America and Burden of burden Proof. Burden of Proof. Yes. yes. Everything I love about Spirit of America is also in Burden of Proof. It's a Jimmy journey. Yeah. Ex- excellent acting, and I like I said, I thought the ending was super clever. I mean, it's definitely the best ending of the three. I think the the ending of spirit of america is very somber and there's it's so moving we cry i cried i cried during that episode no fair enough all right all right well in the interest of everyone getting to move on with their lives i think we're both going to concede with each other though so <laughs> i think <laughs> well, that I'm ultimately propose, for, i was going to say i'm going to propose a tiebreaker okay the tiebreaker is what number of tires did we give it last season what was the average number of tires? Okay. And the uh, burden of proof came in at 8.625 tires. That's pretty high. Pretty high. And Spirit of America came in at exactly nine tires. So by the process of math, I think we must give our best episode to Spirit of America. Wow. Congratulations. All right. And, you know, Sean and my family who's listening, I just conceded an argument. Ah. All for time's <laughs> sake. All for time's sake. I was just about t- to concede as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> And now it is time. It is time to talk about the worst episode of the season. The nominees are First Degree. Which featured a racist cop wanting to get disability and Jimmy having a sex dream about Lindsay. Race with the devil. A priest kills a woman doing an exorcism. And we spend a lot of time watching a camera in a man's butthole. And finally, sex lies and monkeys. Lindsay goes through a very offensive sexual assault story and a guy looks like a monkey. Oh. That monkey episode was bad. It was real bad. 
the mo- just bad. the monkey practical effects of the monkey guy remind me of the sexual harassment thing with uh, that episode. Oh well, and that's this is where it was that this was the episode uh, where Lindsay gets date raped. And then her response to that is to go crazy and hold nobody responsible. Right. It was. Uh, it was bad. It was real bad. Uh, so I, I, I think that is the only episode I've ever given a one to, and <laughs> it was lucky to get that one. Okay, so it sounds like we both pretty much hated that. Just for funsies, uh, give yeah. me a little. Give me a re conceptualization in the most positive terms of the other two episodes well the other two had an interesting conversation about whether a a cop was made racist by his position and whether or not he should then be given disability and allowed to retire and be paid because of his racism uh which i actually thought was a fair and interesting discussion i think the reason we didn't like it as much was this was (laughs) right uh, right, one episode before Lindsay goes through all of that, Jimmy tells her about his vigorous sex dream, <laughs> his sex dream with Lindsay, in which she was vigorous. And then after that, felt that was his moment to try to ask her out. Oh, Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy. And uh, Race with the Devil uh, was about the, the priest who killed somebody while they were uh while he was performing an exorcism and uh we had the the entire series where the guy refused to take the camera out of his butt and we punted on a discussion about healthcare and such i don't ah, exactly yes. remember why we disliked that so much but we didn't dislike that nearly as no, bad not as vigorously <laughs> that one no. we gave yeah exactly and there, at least uh, there's some consistency because i remember even in that that stupid thing with the with the butt uh the way they were interacting with the client the way they had some like good jabs at each other over the in that over the camera in the proctologist uh office right 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 was kind of interesting and in the other episode uh though the disability the disability claim was a bit of a an end run i do think that at least they had some a somewhat nuanced conversation they were trying to say something yeah whereas i mean it they they punted in the very beginning, even giving the thing a t- a title. They're like, should we be clever? No, just call it Sex Lies and Monkeys. Yeah, Sex Lies and Monkey was was a disaster. I I I think we can stop beating around the the monkey bush the monkey and say bush. definitely <laughs> that is the worst episode of the season. And so, hopefully, we never have to say monkey bush ever again. I sure hope so. Congratulations, Sex Lies and Monkey. You are the worst episode of the season. Quite likely the worst episode of the series that poor guy that poor guy that had to put on all that monkey kind of stuff prosthetics and we're making fun of it that was his big under five there buddy oh boy no that's an over five yeah that's true he 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 had a real career uh so he had other things going on so which brings us to the first of our regular awards This season's nominees for Most Valuable Lawyer, based on the number of MVLs they have won this season. First up, Bobby Donald. Next up, Jimmy.
Jimmy. Next up, Eugene Young and Lindsay Dole. Okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't remember Jimmy's last name there. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy! <laughs> Jimmy! <laughs> um, Sorry, Mr. Baluti. So I'd like to look at this a different way, Keith. Let's okay. take a look. Instead of just like how many votes. I'm, this was great for the nominees. But instead of just giving to who won the most. Yeah, no, of course. That's only the tiebreaker. Yes. I think let's let's go through. We can split it if you'd like. And, and, just, and look at the character's arc for the season. Yeah. And then also let's look at the impact they've had on the practice, the firm, and their colleagues. Okay. I think Yeah, should... I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, let's let's divvy those two tasks for each person for each character amongst us. So okay. who's first? Uh let's talk about Bobby first. Okay, uh so I'll talk about his arc and then you can discuss his accolades. Okay, great. I think his arc has been one of softening this year. I think he's been humbled in many ways, professionally. Not when he was getting grabbed by yeah, uh, that's true. By Helen, romantically, hum- a little bit of humility has entered the fray. And I think, as far as his practice and his career trajectory, he's had some of his colleagues ex- show some great promise and some great movement forward and some big wins and he's had to acquiesce that power and look at the firm as not just his single enterprise but as Mm -hmm. a a conglomerate so i've seen him soften and even become a little bit more professional and steadfast in his dedication to the firm though to be fair he did do so kicking and screaming yes but that's on brand for him yeah fair enough yeah and in terms of uh what he has done this season as a lawyer, he's gotten a great deal of big victories. Um, he's established himself as the getting away with murder king, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, his his function at that office is to deal with the high profile, usual murder, usually murder cases. Um, and his success rate as clearly demonstrated in the show, is way beyond what a normal person's success rate for that type of case. So he's had to do a lot of handling of the media and expectations and negotiating behind the scenes and has uh, has been able to protect a lot of pretty guilty people, um, although he did have some some big losses, like um, the, uh, the guy who... Uh, who was this? Uh, by played by Chris Sarandon, who's uh, was convicted of murder of his mistress, um, even though I believe the implication at the end was the she that did. The, his, the, his wife, wife killed her and framed her husband. So that's a loss. Uh, but he did get off in multiple ways in the season premiere. His girlfriend, the murderer, who seems to have clearly done it, uh, got Joey Herrick got away with it, and so. Yeah, he certainly moved himself up into the big leagues as a if you murder somebody, this is the guy you want. Yeah, and his pr- and the press has been uh substantial as well as the show has show- told us many times. I mean, that's why Ali's firm comes to him. That's why uh every every chance they get, they mention that they're in the papers, they're getting a lot of press. I think yep. we've we've gotten over the Jimmy the well, we'll get to Jimmy in a minute, but I think it's less about that press, and the press now is big, 
big cases. Big, big. Yeah, big, exciting, juicy cases. So let's talk about Jimmy. Let's talk about Jimmy Berluti. Well, Jimmy started as as kind of he, he's shown gumption from the beginning. He's wanted to get himself uh, more footing, more recognition. So he did the Jimmy the Grunt commercials, which were met with uh, disdain and mocking from his entire uh, staff of colleagues. But it got him the clients that ended up being, I think, what would have been the biggest windfall from yep. from any case. I mean, this was bigger than the tobacco case, bigger than the Joey Herrick murder retainer. That's Huge. true. Yeah, he, he temporarily earned $36 million, I think. So, and that's a win. I mean, that's a stone cold win, even though it kind of gets taken away from them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not only that, he's, I think, grown as an individual. His morals have been tested in two giant ways: his his steadfast standing on his uh, on corporal punishment was at least that needle was moved, and yep. his conservative backing of of uh, gay rights was radically shook to its core when you find out his mom was gay. So I think that both yep. morally and litigiously, he has really skyrocketed and i think that i i want to put i want to fast track him to the to the final nominees i think that he uh might not be a, a partner yet but he has done the most uh to get onto that footing i think he's he's progressed the most yeah i think i think that's definitely true he's he has grown the most um in a lot of different ways as a character as a lawyer um you know in terms of how he operates within the firm He's still not somebody that you'd give the big case to. Although, by the end of the season, they did give him a solo murder case, which got him shot. <laughs> yeah, and but, he took uh, one for the team. Yeah, he really took one for the team. Yeah, and he's uh, he's still he still is the grunt of the office. But he also what he also brings to the table in the office is he's a tremendous researcher. And multiple times this season, he has come through with the perfect piece of research that turns around their whole case. Um, so he's clearly ascendant in his role in the office um, and as a lawyer. Which brings us to the badass you need to know. You need Eugene. Eugene Young. This season Let's continues to be the workhorse. He's always out there. He's always pounding the pavement. Every time we see him in the courtroom, he has given us a close to remember. He's winning a case. He's telling somebody to shut the hell up. I just, we saw more of the same for him. Now, to, to his detriment, I think, in this conversation at least, it's been a pretty steady ride. I haven't seen a lot of fluctuations up or down. The biggest blip, I think, comes towards the end here where he lets his anger get the better of him in the season finale. It yep, gets thrown yep. in all those contempt things. Uh, but also, uh, I had another point to make. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Lindsay's new uh, investment in the firm it has shook him a little bit. I think he's a little bit more resistant in change. He was a little bit resistant uh -huh. to the partnerships and such. So that that's a change also. But I think uh, as far as litigation goes... It's rock solid. Probably the MVP on the team, one of them. If you don't look at the money, you just look at sheer numbers. Yeah, I mean, I I would say that were I guilty 
of an offense and had no defense whatsoever. Eugene is definitely the guy I'd want defending me. Um, he takes, it seems like he takes the medium cases where Bobby takes the, like the big high profile murder, like criminal cases. Eugene takes sort of like the mid-level ones. He deals with a lot of smaller offenses, but with less defense. Obviously, you know, he takes on clients who maybe have a little bit less money, um, who aren't throwing millions of dollars at them, but he gives everyone a passionate, vigorous defense and is totally kick-ass about it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think he's, in terms of like pound-for-pound litigator bobby has a has a bigger has the bigger picture involved he's dealing with the media he's dealing with perception he's negotiating this other thing but it just comes down to like in the courtroom who do i want making the clothes i want eugene especially if i did it and i have no defense whatsoever which brings us to the youngest member of the firm Lindsay dole I guess she'd be the startup, right? And if we're using an analogy to the today's workforce, she's a disruptor. She is in there. <clears throat> she's upfront. She is bringing huge cases in the tobacco case, which I think is more season one, but it did, it did was resolved in season two, right? Uh, no, it was resolved in season one, but it certainly had an impact on season two, fiscally at least. Yeah. Also, and reputationally. And and well and it they she does circle back when she uses Egon as a, an ATM. Right. Correct. So then she and she also has brought what she bookends the season with bringing in this potentially next huge juggernaut of a case. She's second chair or involved in all the other litigation that's taking place, uh not usually with Eugene but most of the other stuff. And she navigates she's the one bringing everything to the next step. You know, she's navig she navigated tricky waters with Bobby and that relationship situation yet stills forward thinking. I want to still bring, uh, Helen into the practice. She's right. got everybody. She basically unionized the firm where she made them partners. So I think that she's definitely had one of the biggest impacts. So, but, as a is that because of her lawyering or is that just because of who she is in the firm that's kind of the the hair I, I think that she if we I think for for the end of the season I think you got to look at biggest impact and it's hard to to not see her as as one of the biggest disruptors no absolutely and I, I, I mean, lawyering is more than just about trials it's more than just about arguing the case in front of the jury i mean it's it's the whole business it's you know she's she's the lead person on um uh, uh, corporate cases and class action stuff. And I think she's, she does have a, a real big picture view where Bobby resists the big picture. He's more comfortable mucking around in the, in the mess and drama of a juicy case. And Eugene is just like pounding out case, 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 where she's really looking at the, the big picture. She has a, she has a dream that she's, guiding the entire firm towards and i think i think getting everyone to be partners i think that was a huge changing of the firm she's physically changing the firm she renovated all the offices and got things uh looking more professional <laughs> got the tires and the pizza boxes out of the office um it, and she's also contributed primary more than anybody else to the financial success of the firm 
And so at this point, I, I agree. When we're talking about the most valuable lawyer of the season, I think that's a, that's an impact on the firm. You know, what what makes the firm a better firm? What takes us from season one, the Bobby Donnell and Associates, to season three? And and I think she guided us the most between those two. I'd agree. Now, had she also fought through a coma, it would be a no-brainer. Because <laughs> only one of these lawyers fought through a coma to cinch the case. But we have six more seasons. You're right. Give You're her right. time. So are we unanimous? I think that we, we think... I think we're unanimous. Okay. I think the MVL of season two goes to Lindsay Dole. Congratulations. Bit of an upset, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Which brings us to... Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. Watch the first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. And you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. This season's best guest nominees are... John Larroquette for playing Joey Herrick in Betrayal, Another Day, and Checkmate. Linda Hunt for the episodes First Degree, Sex, Lies, and Monkeys, The Trial, Cloudy with a Chance of Membranes, and Food Chains. Marcelo Thedford for Spirit of America. Donna Murphy for The Inmates and Axe Murderer. And Jer Adrian Lelliot for Rhyme and Reason. Those are good nominees, buddy. Oh, thank you. I I think I can break... I, we can sing all their praises, or I think I can break it down to my top two. Maybe see okay. if we... All right. Yeah, okay, great. I think it's criminal to not have John Larroquette be at least in the top two. He did... Win an Emmy. Win a lesser award. True. But <laughs> he won the Golden Globe of our Oscar. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and she's just so good every time we see her. Doesn't chew the scenery, but feels like might as well be on the regular cast. It's Linda Hunt. Yeah. I just think yeah. those are, I, I think everybody else was phenomenal. Um, we love me some, some Donna. I think that uh, the lady from I I, I don't want to say lady the the nominee from the last episode we just saw yeah Jerry Adrian Lilliet. Yeah. Um she's she's a woman now she's she's a lady now she's our yeah, age yeah 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 I I I'm always who knows okay <laughs> uh, was also wonderful I guess we we already sung the praises there but yeah. I think Linda Hunt or John Larroquette and I think. I just think, huh, I don't know, what are your thoughts there? Well, I think it really comes down to uh, you whether or not you are fulfilling a role in the season, like Larroquette or Linda Hunt, who played roles that shaped the entire season, or are we talking about an individual performance in an individual episode? Because 
you know, I, I, Linda Hunt, who I think is amazing, she doesn't really have the big showy moments that that like a Marcello Thedford or a Jerry Adrian Elliott have, or Donna Murphy, who have these incredible scenes and moments as opposed to playing some of our characters are bouncing off of, but they're just a really good sounding board for that. Uh, so, you know, and uh, Spirit of America, Marcel Thedford made you cry. He did make, that was my, like his, cry. you know, but again, like that also, you're affected by the writing as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the scene about the Guinness Book of World Records, like it's just so heartbreaking writing combined with that performance. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I I don't think Linda Hunt would be in my top two. Um, I that think scene, would... I, that scene with the with, with the and when they're trying to decide whether primates have rights or whatnot, that where the monkey is in her office, I thought that was a really great scene. Right? No, no, that that was super fun. No, I mean, she's so, but phenomenal. I agree with you. I think if 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 you really isolate the acting because that's what's we're talking about here, yeah. it's tough not to go with a bigger performance just because they were given more to do. You know, I think Larry yeah. Kett, uh really stands out there yeah well and i yeah i i think honestly like without beating around the monkey bush again yeah i know i I think i I think i have to just give it to john larroquette he just it it's when i see him in in the episode i'm like i can't wait this is gonna be awesome yeah i I can only hope that he gets nominated again that he shows up again I, i don't know but you might i i just might so are, are we in agreement? We're in agreement. All right. Well, congratulations, John Larroquette, on your season two oopsies. Oh, boy. I bet, you know, I bet his uh, his speech will be on YouTube for this, for sure. No, but he might write in. You can write write in, John, outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Join the jury. Yes. Yes, please do. Yeah, guy, uh, <laughs> we always forget to do this until the playoff. Nobody's listening. Please uh, reach out out of practice podcast at gmail.com. We'll be really excited to hear from you. And please join the jury and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else and just let us know that you did so we can find it. And uh, we'll be really happy to have you. And or, obviously, we're on. Or. Or. Helen Gamble will have you killed. Or Helen Gamble will literally have you killed. We know who you are, we know where you're listening. Uh, no, we, we really don't. We don't. And but he, uh, go ahead. We do have a very important next oopsie to get to. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. Uh, This season's nominees for Best Actor on Season 2 of The Practice, in no particular order, are Steve Harris, Cameron Mannheim, Michael Badaluccio, Dylan McDermott, and Lisa Gay Hamilton. Wow. This is tough. It's an amazing cast. It's an amazing cast. An amazing cast. I'm going to just focus my thinking to, in those episodes where a certain character was featured, who just consistently knocked it out of the park every time? We know how great Dylan is. We know how great 
um, Kelly Williams is. We know how great uh, Steve Harris is. Steve Harris wins. I, I give him the oopsie almost every week. Yep. For some reason, this season, I feel like every time we really focused in on uh, Eleanor or Jimmy, yep. it just knocked our socks off. I think that Cameron and Michael just really, their work was really highlighted well in some feature episodes this season. And so those are the two I'm currently really looking at for this win. Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree. And I... In a lot of ways, the best actor comes down to the best writing. Like, which characters got the best... Because, like, every one of these actors is 100% capable of being phenomenal in anything. And uh, so it's like, who did David E. Kelly give the most meat to? Really? And so I agree with you. I think it's Cameron, and I think it's Michael Badalucho. I, 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 and Cameron, obviously, she also won a, the lesser award Emmy this season let me tell you how i i view this uh, okay i think cameron deserves that emmy i think it's amazing especially at that time when the certain some of the the more uh some of the things she was dealing with were she clearly wasn't just dealing with as this character but in life because she really connected with some of the material you know even in the end of her even at the end of her speech there Emmy speech this yeah. is this is for the fat girls like body image and self acceptance and love and sex as an adult are all things that she really those episodes she really uh excelled at but they're yeah. things i feel like she had a one-to-one kind of dealing with now i don't know michael uh michael Badalucho's, Badalucho. his yeah. what his politics are but the things he was asked to deal with this season being treated like a, a second-class pet at the office. Uh, right. Demanding respect. Demanding respect. The whole arc he took on gay rights, the whole arc he took on the death penalty, really nuanced, difficult ch- changes to go through in an hour's time that he was m- yeah. able to really portray, all while, all whilst basically being written as the butt of every joke in the episode anyway. Right. So having to basically swim upstream whilst de- delivering the... And then that episode that was just batshit crazy where he goes to the guy's thing and gets shot and then comes through a coma could have been completely ridiculous. And it was, to be honest. But it still brought me in. It wasn't Dylan yeah. or anybody else, Dylan Rambo there. That It was Jimmy. He was the catalyst well, for to enjoy that episode. And so that's no, where my and- vote lies. No, I, 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 I'm. I think, uh, I think we're in alignment here. And like, speaking of ridiculous, he had to deliver long monologues about sex dreams to Lindsay and oh, about yeah. how vigorous she was, and t- like really unlikable behavior and unlikable standpoints on things. And yet, we still love him. And he, like, he's he sort of is the butt of the joke, and in a lot of ways, the heart of the show. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 well, Cameron does some phenomenal work, obviously. Uh, you know, as does, and I, you know, I, Lisa Gay Hamilton. Yeah, we gave who, her short shrift. We gave her short shrift, you know, phenomenal actress, just not really given enough this season. And I'm looking forward to her getting more opportunities. Um, 
so yeah, I I think when it again realizing the tiebreaker on this is the material they're given. Mm-hmm. I agree with you that this season's best actor goes to Michael Badalucho. Congratulations. I know this is a big moment for you. You know, we are we're winding down uh with the uh, the season two oopsie awards, uh, but we're going to try to get in before the local news. So, in order <laughs> to do that, it brings us to the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. This season's nominees for the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady are Tom Brady. Wow. Oh, yeah, hold on. He doesn't get another... He doesn't get another uh, jingle. Well, Keith... I'm only going to say this. Yeah. I think that the numbers don't lie. Tom Brady has proven to be the best Tom Brady of all time. I think he's the GOAT. Well, here's, here's the thing. Thus far... Not only is he Tom Brady, he is undefeated this season as being Tom Brady. But I will say one more thing. I want to throw okay. one wrench into the works. Okay. All right. We can't this is this this award does not exist in a vacuum. We have to look at Tom Brady's body of evidence. Right. To make this decision and I only say this. It's body of existence. Yes, you're right. This is body in general. It's t- you know what I'm saying. That vegan body, mm, slim, trim, and supple. Yeah, go ahead, flex those muscles, Tommy. Throw me the long bomb deep in that end zone. And if we look at that body of evidence, that body of existence, <laughs> Keith, I'm just gonna say it. He's had yep. some issues. On the big stage. This isn't just episode to episode oopsies. This is the season finale oopsies. He's had his trouble. So I'm just going to go ahead and let you announce the winner. All right. The winner of the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady for season two is none other than Eli Manning. Eli! Eli! Wow, Tom! You were undefeated, then then Eli beat you! Boom! Wow, in the Super Bowl of oopsies, Tom Brady couldn't cut it, and Eli Manning! Eli Manning, he helmet-catched his his way into his first oopsie! That's incredible. Boom! Man, Eli needed that. (laughs) If anybody needed it, (laughs) Eli needed it. We're going to get a letter about that one. <laughs> Ooh, okay. All right. Which brings us to our final award. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode The nominees for amount of spare tires in season two of the Oopsies are one spare tire. Two spare tires, three spare tires, four spare tires, five spare tires, six spare tires, seven spare tires, eight spare tires, 
nine spare tires, and finally, ten spare tires. So glad you committed to that. <laughs> so I know everyone was like, when's it going to stop? When's it going to stop? Well, I thought you were going to slip it and just say we only got five stars, but... Oh, hell no. It's a one out of ten. Okay, so before we do this, let me give you some numbers. Okay. So that you can refresh your memory. The season average that we awarded was 7.03 spare tires. That is our combined average. Last season, our combined average was 6.77. Now, let me break this down further for those 538 listeners. My spare tire average was actually 6.8 and yours was 7.11 so in this situation you enjoyed the season more than i did which is a flip from last season where i had the average of 6.82 and you had 6.5 i wonder if we averaged out those episodes that really took place in season one. Oh. It would it would definitely be bit be better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. It would be well because like Sex Lies and Monkey had a had an average of two. <laughs> that definitely uh broke the curve a little bit. You know, I feel like this season we got a full I got a full the full spectrum of what the show's capable of. Yeah. And some of yeah. the sh- and some of the pitfalls slash shortcuts that it takes. You know, a lot of times when the episodes fall short, it's it's it feels a little bit like you said, the writing lets it down. You know, the cast, I think, is uniformly excellent. I think yep. David E. Kelly often, uh, like you said, overexerts himself. And just, you can tell when an episode feels a little bit like a bastard stepchild. Well, or I mean, it's it, it is clearly written by someone who's writing seven hundred episodes of television that month. Yeah, where the premise is really good, but then the set the the, the resolution kind of fails, or or vice versa. Right, um, right. But I also have seen what a great ensemble episode looks like. I've seen what happens when they take big swings. I've seen some knock them out of the parks. Yeah, I've seen yep. some misses. I've <laughs> I've seen some genre attempts. Like an action movie didn't quite go well. <laughs> We've seen them take some interesting big swings directorially with some weird angles or weird cuts or right, uh, right. Uh, you know, we we're trying a lot. Still of very much a product of the '90s in some of those. Yeah, and I still think they were they're fine. What I felt over the course of the season that they were finding their stride, writing for the ensemble as well as understanding what the show was. And so they've yep. sort of retconned a few things, and the arc of the season I don't think is particularly strong, um, but the second half definitely was stronger than the first half. And, yeah. um, well, we we had we had the season one leftovers dip. Yeah, we had that dip, and also I just feel like because I'm watching with those fresh eyes, I don't know where we're going. I right, only know right. where we've been and what. I'm supposed to be expecting. And in season one, I guess I wasn't, it did, I didn't click for me. It was very short, but it didn't click for me. Now I'm starting to fall in love with the show. I don't know that I'm there yet. There's still some things oh, I okay. wish clicked a little bit more. I'm starting to miss Dylan a little bit. 
uh, uh, or Bobby. You always want more Dylan. I just feel like I want someone to grab grab the narrative. I want it to be, I guess I want it, I thought it was about him and it's not. No, 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 it's not. It's about the law. But it's about, it's about this firm. It's an ensemble piece. This season, I think they've let him, whilst being the figurehead, back off a little bit. I think they've let the ensemble kind of come forward a little bit to find the balance. And I'm looking forward to seeing actually where Bobby goes. That all said, my average feels very good. Um, I would just knock down maybe a few and bring it to a like a 6.9 a six point nine. Ooh, some just some real higher math here. Yeah, I like okay. I I, I want to leave myself enough headroom for where we're headed. Yeah, well, I I think it's I I think that makes a lot of sense. the The other thing in, to remember, in context, this was the best show on television, on on certainly on network television, and you know it won the Emmy this year, and I think for good reason. And while I I think its limitations are, a lot of them are a function of the era and the network. That, you know, the the slow motion, black and white, you know, flashbacks, I think are just grim. (laughs) You know, there's there's some, some regressive politics here and there. There's some icky uh, writing moments. But honestly, like, it was the ex- serving its purpose as a bridge between early 90s, 80s television and the peak TV that we're at now. I don't think you get to a Breaking Bad without going through a show like The Practice, which takes big swings and tries to make it about something. And I, I, I want to mention this here. I really do love, too, that remembering this is its big swings were generally idea based rather than like you have your NYPD blue, which was big at the time also up for that Emmy uh, that was pushing the envelope in other ways. It was a bit more sexual. It was a bit more saw nudity. Some side boob. Yeah. Things like that. We saw an, an ass cheeker here or there or whatnot. Uh, Although to be fair, NYPD blue was a terrific show. Yes. But, but they, they sucked you in with side boob. Whereas this just asks you to care about important things. So anyway, I'm going to stick by that. I think a 6.9 is my 6.9. season yeah. rating. Yeah, I, I think I'm actually going to uh, reverse myself a little bit uh, because I gave a lower average tires. But when I look back at the whole thing, there were some, there were some real lows and there were some real highs. But I thought that the average episode got better from season one to season two. And I found myself genuinely looking forward to noting the show, the next show. So I was happy when we recorded so I can go and get to the computer and watch the next episode. Uh, I thought there was some, some terrific writing, some terrific performances. And because of that, I am going to give... Oh, you're going to like this. 7.1 tires for season two, which, Captain Math, I just made it easy on you. Thank God. We are going to give season two a combined seven spare tires. That feels right. It does feel right. You know, 
And I gotta say, I I gotta give us a fair amount of spare tires for season two of the Out of Practice podcast. We have upped our game substantially. Absolutely, just like the the practice, I feel a lot more uh, more confidence as of uh, as to what the show is and what it can be. Uh, it's also a good chance to hang out with you, buddy. It's been it's always fun yeah. to hang out. It's, it's raining, so the chance of getting a beer tonight is is very low. It's it, I I could feel that just going down the drain literally as the as it rains. That's right. We will do it at another time. But yes. yeah, this has been this has been delightful. I've been really happy to do this. I'm really excited. I am grateful for every single person who clicks on and listens to this. Uh, I watch it so carefully. I know when you listen, and I appreciate it. It's been it's been a real blast. I've uh, spent far too much time at the office working and reworking completely unnecessary graphics for your enjoyment on Instagram. Oh, uh, next week we get to see the new graphic. We have all new graphics for season three. Don't worry. Uh, so, yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Um, we're going to dive right into season three. Uh, <laughs> we we wait for no one. Uh, is this, so, this uh, going to be a weekly episode, Keith, or is this a bonus and we're going to season three starts when it should start? I think we should make it a weekly, but we'll record, so we'll get one in the can in case one of us wow. gets a... Uh, look at that, professionalism. I hope that in season three, somebody in the cast gets one in the can, you know what I'm saying? You gonna finish the season two on that? Yeah, baby. No. Come no, on. That's, that's, Keith, uh, how are you reading that? What do you think I mean by in the can? In this delicious soda can of Diet Sunkist, I've been drinking throughout this episode. Diet Sunkist, also known as Why Even Bother. If you're if, if you're the Sunkist company and you'd like to advertise on the Out of Practice Podcast, please send us an email at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. I think it's time. Well... That's season two, Dex. That's we season two. Do you have an extra 16 minutes? Because that's how long it's going to take to get through this outro. <laughs> Please feel free to join the jury, Out of Practice Podcast at gmail.com. Check us out at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. Check us out. And on Facebook on- and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. I have been uh, I've been liking all the Russian bots, so we're up we're over five hundred Russian bots oh. following us on Instagram. Okay, season three is when we're going to hopefully break our first rule and maybe have a guest or uh, find a reason to invite somebody onto the podcast. We we just might, but it seems unlikely. But you know what? I thought it was unlikely we'd get this far, and we are charging ahead having a blast i'm excited for season three best of luck to tom brady uh getting back on the horse after that crushing defeat here crushing defeat in the oopsies we know you'll be back tom yeah we'll see we'll see for season three you know uh one thing i'll say about eli manning he wins occasionally but he rarely wins (laughs) (laughs) laser sounds laser sounds season two What is Wisdom of One? 
Wisdom of One is the story of me, the brave and powerful hero Skankross 7 and counting. Wisdom of One, there's like all these crazy adventures that we go on. It always has something new. <laughs> this podcast has many, many personality disorders in evidence. See if you can spot them all. The one telling the story is shockingly repressed. Yet another Dungeons and Dragons comedy podcast. Interrupted by long stretches of grunting from Dagon and pointless NPC nonsense you should skip through. Sometimes it's just more fun than real life, I guess. So find us on your podcatcher of choice. Give us a listen, rate, and review us. We need your help there for sure. Wisdom of One. Failure is a way of life. Charisma of 20 bucks.